today I wanted to talk about um, a particular visit in Africa and um, obviously with my passion for wildlife and, and wildlife conservation, Africa is definitely one of my happy places and I'm, I'm very lucky to have been able to visit a number of different countries in uh, Africa and seen a, a lot of wildlife and um, and I've got friends there as well, you know, friends in different parts of the country. So I feel very privileged to have been able to have that time. And as some of you may know, if you've been listening to the podcast series, I uh, climbed Kilimanjaro back in 2017. And that was, um, I think I mentioned, partly to raise money for um, UNICEF Australia, but also because I really needed an adventure. <laughs> I was uh, getting really bogged down in work and um the work I was doing at the time, and it was just not not really working for me. So I think it's really healthy to have a an adventure every now and again keeps keeps us young. So I wanted to talk about the Ngoro Ngorongoro crater, which I struggle with, and I probably absolutely mauled the pronunciation anyway, because it's just a really special place in uh, Tanzania, and it's not far from Kilimanjaro. It's a few hours drive, and um, in case you're not aware of exactly where these places are. Kilimanjaro is almost on the border between Tanzania on the southern border and Kenya on the northern border. And the Ngorongoro Crater Conservation Area, which is about 8,000 square kilometres, which is about 3,000 square miles, it's a huge area, is a few hours' drive to, broadly speaking, the southwest. That's extremely rough, but it gives you an idea anyway of the kind of geography of... of, um, uh, what I'm talking about, and the crater is, is exactly that. It's the it's the remains. It's the caldera, the huge volcano that we believe um, was last active between somewhere between two and three million years ago. And the caldera is basically it's like the the cone or, or the the it's more of a cauldron. Caldera means cauldron, and it's that kind of thing. If you imagine that sort of a shape, and um, the the, the Caldera itself is over 600 metres deep, that's 2,000 feet. The area of it at a floor level is 260 square kilometres, about 100 square miles, there's even a lake in it. So it's quite an amazing area. The floor of the crater is about uh, 1,800 metres above sea level, so that's just under 6,000 feet above mean sea level. So it's, um, you know, not at sea level or anything like that, but it's, it's just an amazing environment. And funny enough, the, the, one of the tie-ins with the trip to Kilimanjaro, other than it was part of this extension I did after completing the climb that I went to visit the crater, was that when I was buying my walking boots, um, which obviously were very important, a very important bit of kit for the uh, Kilimanjaro climb, the guy who was helping me at this um, sort of specialist store in Sydney uh, he he was um, a scientist. He was a natural botanist. Botanist. I'm not sure that's right, but he was anyway. Was studying animals. Um, I think botany is more plants. But um, you're welcome to write in and correct me, which might be a long, <laughs> a long uh, message. But he spent a few months uh, actually doing uh, work for I don't know if it's his degree, doctorate, whatever he was doing uh, in the um, in the crater itself. So that was just brilliant. So aside from getting my boots sorted out we also had a really good chat about what to see there and it is one of those places where if you can imagine um pretty much all of the animals you would expect to see in central africa like that they're in the crater and 
it's sort of like this unique environment though because you you do have to go down the crater side to get into it and it, it's sort of cut off from everywhere else so it's a, it's a little bit like the land that time forgot if you remember that movie or the the book by um, Edgar Rice Burroughs but it's that sort of an environment so it's an amazing place and when we drove down there um the uh, I, had, so I had a guide and driver and there was another person with me we went down there and we entered the World Heritage Site because the, the, the region is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And there's a lookout where you can stand and look over the crater. Now, I did take some photographs, but I always struggle with these sort of huge landscapes because uh, even doing your best as a photographer, I, I personally find that it's extreme. I don't think you can truly get across how big these places are unless you took a whole a sort of patchwork of photographs stitched them all together and just blew them up as this massive um image that went across the whole wall it's the only way to get any idea of the, the, the size and the space when you stand at a place like that looking over um this this amazing crater so that's in Gorongoro crater now um when we went down, so we, we actually set up camp. We were using tents, and I think we were at one of the Simba campsites. I forget now the campsite, but there are little campsites dotted around just on the, the, the rim of the crater, just back off the rim of the crater. And um, we were in tents, and um, so with it, with the tents, I'll just say this while I think of it. <laughs> um, you have a kind of standard ablutions blocks for toilets and showers and all that kind of stuff. And then you... you set up your tent and um, when you need to use the bathroom you wander across well we were kind of the other side it was like a big field really and we were the other side of the field from where these blocks were so I naturally had to get up in the middle of the night and wander off and I'm trying not to trip over uh, the the tent um, ropes um, so I'm sort of navigating my way and ideally back to my own tent rather than surprise somebody else in the middle of the night and that was all good but when I got up in the morning and it was quite cold up there, actually. And we were there in August, I think it was. It was it was actually quite cold first thing in the morning. And walking back across to the toilet block, there was an awful lot of sort of animal dung and tracks and uh, spore, basically. And so it obviously been quite a busy night. And I felt quite thankful I hadn't bumped into anything I wasn't expecting while I was out, you know, having that little midnight walk or whatever you do. So um, anyway, that was the campsite. And that's pretty standard. You, I mean, and when you... If you are thinking about going to Africa, I mean, first of all, I thoroughly recommend it. It's just such an amazing and wonderful place. But if you, and there, and there are many ways you can go. So you can do the tent thing, you can do the hotel thing, you can go to lodges, there are all these kind of things. So it really is up to you what you do. Well, ours was fairly basic, but you can go glamping, as they as they call it. So many, many, many things you can do, but definitely recommend it. So back in the crater, though, it's just this amazing environment. There's even a little lake in there. And definitely one of if you've looked at my fine art prints there's um, a picture I think I called it sisters but it's two lionesses kind of wrestling uh, on a you know nice green bit of ground in fact it was next to a bit of water uh, from memory and that was taken in the crater these two lionesses were just chilling out having a lot of fun and just enjoying the sunshine in the afternoon we were there I also took a lot of pictures of uh, little baboons um saw a rhino from a long way off, saw some elephant. We actually saw elephant we were when we were standing on the rim, 
we could just make them out walking through, um, you know, down in the crater. They're um, obviously the lions are there, so there are predators there, and um, pretty much any of the animals you would expect to see in Africa, in that part of Africa, are down in the crater. So it is one of the tourist places to go. It's quite a unique environment, so if you do have that opportunity, I would definitely recommend it. And that's kind of one part of what I wanted to just really have a chat about in this podcast. Now, the other place is a place that's really held my imagination definitely since my early 20s when I started reading about this stuff. And that's the anthropology aspect, because not far from the crater, and I believe it's still in the um, Ngorongoro conservation area, is Olduvai Gorge or Oldupai Gorge. Uh, probably absolutely mauled those pronunciations as well. Now, if you've never heard of them, that's fine. But they were made famous in anthropological circles back in the, I think it was the 50s, maybe even earlier, by Richard Leakey and um, his wife and then his son afterwards, um, who found the remains, fossilised remains of very early hominids. Now, um, if you don't know what a hominid is, that's fine. Uh, they're basically um, small apes, maybe a metre or so high. Uh, they vary depending on the species, but they walk upright. So if you'd like, they're somewhere between um, us, Homo sapiens, and chimpanzees. So, it, it, so they're quite small, but their face would look more like a chimpanzee's face. But they do walk up on two legs. And so in that respect, they look more like us. And... Um, human evolution, when I was at school uh, in, in the sort of 60s and 70s, it um, it kind of was a straight line, really, from this sort of given-looking thing uh, through a nice little drawing up to us. But in, the truth is that the evolution of great apes, the, these primates that eventually resulted in us, is more like a bush with all these little branches going off and then going nowhere in the end. And hominids are kind of lower down in that bush to where we are and there were quite a few different species of hominid and some of them originated in this area old Dubai gorge and certainly um i don't know what the story is now because it tends to change every few years another discovery is made and then our understanding of our own evolution changes but certainly for a while old Dubai gorge was seen as ground zero for us basically you know eventually Homo sapiens evolved either there or in that area. And it's certainly still believed, I think, that Homo sapiens did um, evolve in that area, in those the African savannah somewhere. Um, again, there are different theories going around. At the moment, there's sort of two main theories that I'm aware of. One is that we all evolved out of one common ancestor and all the different races that we have and different types of people, so Caucasians, Asians, whatever, uh, all came out of the com- a common ancestor. Or there's another one that proposes that some of the more um, distinct-looking people actually evolved separately. Um, who knows? You know, there's not enough um, evidence yet that's been found to uh, really make one theory or the other the, the absolute history of us as as, um, as creatures evolving. But nonetheless, Olduvai Gorge... Um, does hold a very important place in in that particular area, and the interesting thing about that in, in the Ngorongoro crater is that the the caldera 
that dates back to certainly around three million years when the um uh so the, the the caldera was basically a volcano and it, and the top part just collapsed into this sort of uh, made this sort of cauldron shape which is what you've got uh with the crater so that happened two to three million years ago not clear somewhere in that range and certainly very close to that time and it's, it's certainly thought to be about three million years ago there were hominids in that area and in, in Olduvai Gorge they would have been in the the crater as well as, as well as the Serengeti now um uh, with I mean climate change that we're experiencing isn't something new climate varies all the time and those areas are probably um, a bit different when those guys were around but nonetheless it's quite an interesting area so I mean, I took the opportunity to go because, I mean, there's a really good visitor centre there if you do go. It's really interesting. It's, it's not very big, but it's very interesting. And then you get to stand and look over the Old Uvai Gorge as well. So that's another place. And again, it's just, for me, it's a, it's a question of standing there. And I like to just stand there for a moment, no camera, just sort of try and breathe in these places and um, connect with them in some way because there's such um, amazing history that connects directly to us in these areas. So if you do get the chance to go to Tanzania, which, which is a beautiful country, um, I do thoroughly recommend it. I do recommend going to the crater. I do recommend going to Alduvai Gorge if you can um, as well and just, just seeing that and seeing what the latest thoughts are. Um, and that was pretty much it. I, as I say, there are one or two pictures. I'm just trying to remember what else is in the collections from specifically from the crater but i do definitely remember the two lionesses um have a bit a bit of a wrestling match so that's definitely there um again from a photography standpoint as this is all broadly speaking a photography blog um i was using my standard gear so uh my go-to setup is the um excuse me these days the canon eos 5ds for anything that isn't moving really fast if i need um, to do high-speed bursts. I've also got a Canon EOS 7D Mark II, which is my, it's, it's sort of a backup body, but it's much, much faster. It's not full frame, that's crop sensor. So the EOS 5DS is full frame, which is why I like it. And it produces these really big images, which is why I like it for fine art. Um, and certainly in Africa, I didn't find anything, or didn't see anything that would have needed a high burst speed. The only thing I can think of is something like a cheetah chasing down a prey animal that that's where you do need to have a good burst speed but yeah for general pictures in the gorge it was great and also generally take a wide angle with me as well to try and get in some of these um wide angle kind of vistas but another thing you can use quite frankly and it doesn't cost you anything because you're probably going to have it with you anyway is to use your smartphone and most of these days have a panorama mode and if you're not familiar with it just go and have a look at your camera setting on your phone and just look at where they are so on my old iphone uh, when I go into the camera, there's the sort of shutter release button, round, circular button at the bottom. But just above that, there are various options. And if you kind of slide them sort of left or to the right, you'll see there are different options. And have a look at Panorama. Um, if you've seen some of the little video tips I give, I show you how to do Panorama. So that's why I'm thinking of that one. But it's very simple to do. And it's quite a cool way of getting in um, a panoramic shot, particularly something like the crater because everything's far away, so you're not going to get that distortion. Um, if you do a panorama of something and something is close to you, it will tend to distort. As you uh, bring the lens closer to that particular object, it will get bigger in the image and then it'll get smaller again. So you end up with this funny distortion in the final picture. But something like 
I'll do Vari Gorge. I've also been to the Rift Valley in Kenya. Um, if you take pictures of those sort of lookouts, use your panorama mode because you're likely to get as good a result, frankly, as you're probably going to get in many cameras without doing a particular setup that you can do, um, which is another way of um, producing that kind of panorama. But to do that, it's a lot of it's a case of taking a lot of photographs and stitch, stitching them together. So there you go. This is um, so it's a slightly shorter um, uh, podcast than usual, but um, I hope you found that interesting and, and not just me waffling on about it. But there are two things that I'm really interested in and passionate about. Well, three things, I guess, conservation being uh, a, a huge part of it, but wildlife and then um, anthropology as well. So not only understanding the animals that are around today, but also understanding where we came from as as a species of animal, if you like, and also how we evolved and maybe what, what kind of animals would have been around two to three million years ago, because a lot of the animals we take for granted now were also not around when those hominids were walking um, those particular areas, the, the, the crater or the, the gorge or wherever we might walk today. It was a completely different landscape populated by completely different animals when you step back through time you know, one, two, three million years. It's, it's quite a different experience. So there you go. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it interesting and I will speak to you again in uh, another podcast. Bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 